0: Join me while we tackle today's modern mom problems. I'm your host, Tara Clark. If you like what we're doing, be sure to subscribe. Remember, here on Modern Mom Probs, we are trying to solve modern mom problems or at least have fun talking about them. Today, we're going to be talking about what to do when you think your child has a health or behavior problem with Serene Noor Ali. Serene is the co-founder of Sleuth, an app where parents find answers and data about their child's health based upon the crowdsourced expertise of over 64,000 other parents. Inspired by her own struggle getting answers for her daughter's medical journey, Sleuth's vision is to elevate the expertise of caregivers and children and to become the largest platform for real-world data in children's health. She lives in New York City with her family and grew up in Northern Virginia. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. We were chatting for a while about all kinds of things from bathing suits to (laughs) (laughs) technology and and schools and uh, well, actually, I'll circle back about that one later, because that's a that's a whole other conversation. So I'm so excited to to jump into this because I have a lot to say. And and I know you have a lot to say on this topic as well. So you call yourself a public servant turned technologist. Mm -hmm. Tell me
1: a little bit about yourself. How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, I so I grew up outside just outside Washington DC and my parents had moved there from Canada because my dad took a job in international development. And so when you're from that area, it's like public service or development like literally nonstop. And I grew up in a really close knit community where service and commitment and volunteering was really important. And so that was always a huge part of my childhood, which is like, how do you build things? How do you be a person that can help other people? And so it was kind of like a natural transition to go into government after grad school because for me, I, that's what I was used to. And When I turned into technology, what I really loved about that turn was you could do the same thing with technology, but with a model that moved faster. And I love to move fast. So for me, that was like perfect. The government was amazing, but it was like a little too slow for my pace.
0: Yeah, that that makes sense. I could definitely see that. So you co-founded Sleuth because you felt that there was a need in the market. And I could totally (laughs) second that. (laughs) And so- Walk me through what led you
1: to create it. So there is this moment where I was like, I live in New York city now. And there was this moment where I got a phone call from my daughter's doctor. And I had been waiting for the phone call because she had had a pretty big diagnostic exam. And I was about to get on the subway at 28th and 7th. I got the call before I got on the subway. I ran back on the street and I walked into the lobby of a building. And I heard what this woman said, the doctor said, and I fell on my knees. And I feel like that's the start of the story. And what I didn't know then was how hard it was going to be to get information to know what to do next, because the doctor gave me kind of what was going on. But what really matters is clinically what's happening in your child. So like, what are you seeing at home? And there's a pretty big divide. Like, you know, she was doing actually fairly well, but I know she needed additional interventions like physical therapy and speech therapy and I got all that information, like I thought I was gonna get it from the medical system, but they didn't help me find it. They just said, this could help, go find it. And so after a long struggle, I quit my job and I got the best information from other parents on Facebook groups, from people who are a little bit ahead of me on the journey. And when I was ready to go back into the workforce, cause you know, my daughter was doing fine and that was like her first part of the story. And there's a second part of the story where it kind of got a little bit worse what I ended up meeting my co-founder and he's like, look, crowdsourced data from caregivers is a thing. It's accurate. And I was like, wait a minute, I've been a, a mom for, you know, by that point, I think six years. And I was like, nobody ever really gave me the confidence to feel like I actually knew what was going on with my child. And so that's kind of like the origin story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that happens so often as a special needs parent, you sort of have the voice in the back of your head that's saying, you know, something's off, something's not quite right here. Have you found that to be the case?
1: Yeah, I I think that there's this like nagging, there's this like nagging feeling of like I wish I could do more. I know something is wrong or like even if not something is wrong, I need to get to the next step to get a final answer. And I think that we a lot of parents feel like well, it's not done that the circle isn't complete. Like I can't get my head around this last part. So I need to find out if that's right or not, because we get a lot of half answers. And I think our gut is saying you need a whole answer. And so it drives us to figure that out a lot. And I think I've honed that instinct of knowing, but I want to be really transparent. Like I, you know, we talk to parents a lot and they say, trust your gut, trust your gut. I did not have a strong gut in the beginning. In fact, When we got that phone call, I was really shocked because I was so sure everything was fine. And I think it's taken me a long time to excavate myself from the narratives of motherhood of like, I I felt like a failure that I didn't have that gut feeling. I think now I do because I've really gone inside to hone my internal intuition. But I think a lot of people just have that sense of like, I'm not finished with getting an answer.
0: Yeah, that makes sense about the sort of like finishing the, the stress cycle there.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because I think we know when our children need to be better supported.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What happens then, right? Like you and many parents like receive a diagnosis and you go,
1: okay, like now what? Yeah. (laughs) I think the first thing we do is go online Even though everyone says don't Google, I think that's exactly what we do first. And that is actually where we want to be with our startup is like when you're Googling, if your child is talking on time, you have the tools you need to actually track your child and know if that's right. I think you also really go to parents who have been in your shoes. We go to Facebook. We go to the mom groups. We go to TikTok. We are just trying to find someone who can hold our hand through this moment to get us through. And then the challenge is, is like, there's a lot of information. And the the challenge at that point is like, how do you sift through the information and get the accurate information? And that's where I really, really believe that thoughtful technology, AI, we use AI can play a huge role because you don't have the time to scroll through all the answers on Facebook. And I think there's a role for other people to provide emotional support. And now they're just big area of opportunity to say, let me help you get the better information from people who've been there, done that.
0: Yeah. And, and because not all of the information is accurate or not all of it is helpful. So it's a lot of time spent and, and wasted, if you will, trying to like sift through the proper nuggets the things that are yeah, going and it to be beneficial have to
1: be hard, you know. Like I think about motherhood, and I have this perception that everything has to be hard. But actually, not everything has to be hard. We have Instacart, right? Like <laughs> that makes growth. Right, Like there's these things that can make our life easier. But I think there's this narrative of like, because so many things are hard, like we don't have good parental leave policies, because it's hard to balance like life and work. So it feels like everything has to be hard. But actually, there are these areas where like, it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be hard to buy our kids clothes, for example, doesn't have to be hard always to get answers for what's going on with them.
0: This episode is brought to you by Modern Mom Style Box. Upgrade your wardrobe and enjoy unlimited styles for just $60 a month. Modern Mom Style Box is the first rental clothing subscription designed exclusively for moms and moms to be. Get started today with a free trial. Use promo code PTO. It's, it's, it's true. And, and I think in this situation, many times it's so lonely. Because you feel like you're the only family going through this, right? You're the only parent that that's struggling with this. And what I've found, the more that I speak with people, that like we're not alone, you know, like we're not the only child with special needs or who is neurodivergent or who was going through a similar thing, maybe not the exact same thing, but a similar thing. And and I often tell my husband, like I have the benefit of being able to speak to so many parents across the board across the country across the world who are going through similar things maybe not the exact same thing but similar things and so that gives me so much reassurance it doesn't fix everything obviously but it gives me a lot of reassurance and what do you say to people who like haven't quite found their community yet or don't even know where to look
1: yeah I think that the first place to start is social media, like literally go on Instagram and do a hashtag search on whatever your child is going through. And I promise you, you'll find like two to three videos of someone going through the same thing. And just being able to witness someone else that way, I think is really powerful. I think the other place to find those people is Facebook. I think they do communities really well. I mean, frankly, the only reason I'm on Facebook is because I'm on like several different diagnosis groups. And I think the last thing I would say is in your venture and journey to understand your child, there are tools that can help you turn down the anxiety. And I am no stranger to medical anxiety. I have anxiety all the time around it both my kids uh, you know, my, my older one, you know, is, is normally developing and my younger one has had some medical challenges. And what I find to be really helpful is to really capture what's happening in the moment because it's like, okay, well, they're feeling anxious about this. Is this actual anxiety or is this just like, kind of normal anxiety. And and that is why we ended up building a tracker on Sleuth so that you can actually understand what's going on writ large with data. And I feel the same way about my health. Like I use I use a period tracker. Like that right it's like into my head into the app I don't worry about it until it gives me a chart and says like this is normal and this is not normal. And so I would say like there are ways to manage what is a can be a very stressful situation it's not going to make it totally better but maybe it reduces the noise and all of us need the noise reduced
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because as parents now, you know, there's so, we have so many things going on every day, right? Like right now it's the summer. So like, you know, our kids are in camp and so it's a little bit more chill than, than during the school year, I think. But, you know, it's so hard to be on top of everything all the time, whether it's like OT appointments, speech appointments, doctor's appointments, therapy, all of those things. So it's like, if we have something else to sort of like help manage that stress and, and take a little bit off of our load. I think that's a huge win.
1: Yeah. It's almost like the, it's like the mental load too. So just for example, like both my kids get eye drops because we have genetically just have poor eyesight. And I'm like, I don't know when I started it. Like I'm supposed to be, you know what I mean? Like I'm supposed to make a doctor's appointment three months after one of them gets it. And I'm like, But I have no idea when I started it. And like in the moment, I really think I'm going to remember that it was June 6th. And I was like, but I never remember it because (laughs) my head is full of so many other things. So when we think about the fact that, you know, we talk about the mental load, right? The conversation on social media is around the mental load. And it's mostly mothers that carry the mental load for caregiving and their child's bodies. And, you know, I'm lucky to have a lot of help, like for like domestic things. And even with that, I am. Overloaded with just camp forms, medical forms. When was this medication taken? When do you stop? When do you make the appointment for the speech therapist? It's mind numbing. Like it's, I'm sinking. You know? Yeah. And I know others are too. Yeah, absolutely. And then like
0: even I'm just gonna add like one step on top of that. Like even your relationship with your spouse. You know, for people that do have a partner. You know, I I read something the other day and i don't quote me if this is 100% accurate but it was something like 85% of families with children with special needs get divorced and i was like that seems extraordinarily high as as a statistic but having special needs children
1: can really wear on your relationship totally there's not enough time there you know there's not enough time to cultivate a relationship i mean at one point i had a there, there are all these like really subtle nuanced things that we have to do to make sure our children get what they need. And one of them is creating a really good rapport with teachers and therapists and people in the ecosystem. And that takes so much of your interpersonal energy that you might have otherwise been putting in your family, but you're putting into the people that are helping your family. And there's only so much you have in the tank. And like so like that statistic is sad and unsurprising when you think about the day to day heaviness and this is true of whether one considers them having to a child of special needs or not all child children have needs right whether you have a diagnosis or not there's just especially post covid there's a lot more on our shoulders because there's a lot more on their shoulders emotionally yeah
0: yeah and obviously with the pandemic didn't necessarily help the mental health of our children either and so you know they're And again, I'm not going to quote a statistic on this, but it was something, you know, extraordinary, more kids needing to see mental health
1: professionals about anxiety and depression post COVID. It's so real. I hear stories about it literally all the time from providers. And just, I'm happy to see that there's like more solutions coming to the market because I think it's really hard to know what to do. I mean, we, we have an anxiety quiz on sleuth and we think of ourselves as like, here's your first point of entry. Like we help, you know, what's going on. And so we're talking internally on the team, but how do we help people get to where they need to go? Because we also know there's a shortage of providers. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Do you have any recommendations on that? It's such a good question. I mean, I think that I mean, how can anyone address the shorts of providers? I do think there are startups that are on the telehealth, but I think I've told a couple of friends about the coping cat books for anxiety, and that worked really well for my older one, actually. And so you can kind of do that at home. And then my friend who's a child psychologist pointed me out to there's actually an online course. I think it's copingcatparents.com and you actually can you get taught how to help your child through it and I've had both of my children work with child psychologists and I can say that, you know, one of them, it really helped for the short time they did it and the other one it didn't because I, and I think that I can do a lot at home and that makes me feel a little bit stressed, but more empowered too, that like actually we can walk through it because a lot of it is behavior change.
0: Yes. Yeah. So much of that is, you know, another one that I love is go Zen. Check them out. Gozen Love, I think is the Instagram account and Gozen is the is like their main website and they have courses and printables and worksheets and videos and all kinds of stuff. And I really, really wanna give them a great shout out. Yeah. I think you would you would like them. I should put you in contact with them because they're they're very they're good people. So coping cat, I'm going to write that down because that sounds amazing and my son loves cats. So Aww, if there I love it. if there was a cat that would be telling him, you know, positive things then that's a okay. Well, can book. I just
1: tell you something really funny? So yeah. when my older did it, my my older daughter did like a social skills anxiety class, which was so great for her, and she got to meet other kids her age, and they had a worksheet about things that stress them out. And I'm pretty sure my daughter wrote me <laughs> oh, <laughs> in one circumstance. <laughs> she was like, When mama says this, I feel stressed. And I was like, I can handle it. Uh, yes. Good feedback, I can handle it. We can work with this. And so I kind of loved the. The dynamic because she was, you know, she used a tool that helped her say how she was feeling. But, you know, fair warning. Yeah. Well,
0: (laughs) that's true. But that is really constructive criticism. I have to say that. That's very impressive. (laughs) Yeah. My son is currently in a program called Tap Outs, it's tapouts.com. And that is a weekly preventative mental health coaching session. Wow. And so far, so good. We're about mm, two or three weeks into it, and he really likes it. And After each session, they take like a questionnaire and he accidentally didn't submit it yesterday. So I was able to see it this morning and it was really cute. Cause I could see the things that he wants to work on and like sort of to get insight into his thoughts. And so I love that. And then I submitted it for him. So he, he received credit,
1: but we need to get like links to, to all these. these are great resources. These you know what? Awesome. I
0: really, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. Cause they, I think there's, they're super important to be able to offer, you know, these resources to, to people out there. So I love that. And, and obviously like sleuth is, is, such a game changer. I I absolutely love what you guys are doing over there too. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Of course. So being the parent of a neurodivergent child or a special needs child, like I mentioned before, can be really lonely. What can we do as parents to like find our community or build our community? I think that talking to people is probably... It's probably been one of the most beneficial things for me outside of my son receiving services, obviously.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's such a good question because I think we people take it kind of differently. Like sometimes I'm at a part, part in my journey where I'm tired of talking and I understand the value of it too. Cause I think that, and I think that's actually the important part is like know where you are in your journey Some people don't want to talk about it all, or they talk about it only to people that are in the same condition, specific specific condition group. And I find that to be one of the safest spaces where I have to do the least emotional labor. And that's really satisfying. And I found that for me, there's like a set of four people, four out of five who I met on Instagram. And I am not a person who generally makes friends online like my, you know, they're, you know, and they've been wonderful. And and I'll just message them and be like, this is what happened in my day. And it's not something that I want to share with my broader Instagram community, because I, I always worry that people think I might be ranting or this or that, but they 100% understand. And so I think there's a huge power in the individual connections with people and the rant text, because it's super safe. And so I think part of community is having the different levels of community. So one of them is like the people that really get you the really safe space. And then I think we get to choose how we talk about it to other people. And the way that I talk about it to people who have different lived experiences is I want to be witnessed. Like, please don't put your terms on me. Please don't tell me that, you know, my daughter struggles with this medical condition for a reason. That's not anyone's story to interpret except hers. And so I feel empowered when I say that. And then sometimes I feel tired. And I think it's important to know where on the spectrum you feel the most comfortable because I'm a proponent of protecting yourself as a caregiver.
0: There's a lot of stuff out there. Half of your friends are on Ozempic. Instagram ads are targeting your deepest insecurities and your kids are vomiting all over their iPads. It makes sense you're concerned, but these two moms are on a mission to help you wade through all the BS. This is Don't Worry About It, hosted by Samantha Molin and Kati Kreishner. Unlike the babysitter who keeps canceling on your date night, Don't Worry About It is a reliable weekly podcast taking on the topics that keep us up at night. Intimidated by the Pilates machine? Scared to start that side hustle? Don't worry. Samantha and Cotty will tell you, don't worry about it. Chances are they've been there and they've done that or are in the middle of it doing it right now. And when they haven't been there or done that, Samantha and Cotty turn to the experts. New episodes of Don't Worry About It are available every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe today so you'll never miss an episode. Yes, a thousand percent. Yes. A good friend of mine who was also on Instagram, she told me once, and it stuck with me, and I'm going to share this with you now, is not everyone is deserving of your vulnerability. And it was in response to saying like, oh, I don't really feel like sharing X, Y, and Z on Instagram. I don't want to always have to share my my personal thoughts about every single thing. And she said, yeah, no, you shouldn't. Why should you?
1: Because not everyone is deserving of your vulnerability. I couldn't agree with you more. I have changed a lot in that respect. It's so funny. You're saying that I had a friend who has a child with a medical issue and she's further along in her journey. She said that word for word, exactly what you said. And it really spoke to me as well, because I think at a different part of my journey, even a year ago, when things were so raw and my daughter had just come out of the hospital, there was some kind of catharsis I had by posting about what was going on. And now I feel a lot more protective. And I think it's because we're not in the acute stage. And so sometimes I I think that there are misperceptions when I'm that vulnerable. And whether we like it or not, in some ways, people perceive, like we're business people, right? Like you and I are in business, we have these things. And sometimes we don't know how people take it. And I've now realized that like self-protection is fine and we can change our minds. We can change our minds in six months. There's no rules. Like No. Absolutely. Uh, We make up the rules. (laughs) Exactly. It's our life. It's
0: our family. It's our rules. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We
1: are the gatekeeper on that.
0: Yes, 100%. My I'm very protective of my son's privacy regarding his own stuff. Obviously I mention it on the podcast, not really on social so much because again, not everyone deserves to know, but so I do talk about it on the podcast, but I really am so protective of him because I would hate for someday it to be used against him that someone said, Oh, your mom was talking about this online or, you know, she was airing dirty laundry and, and stuff like that. And, and I think that we as parents, you know, have to, be responsible to them
1: for that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because this phase is quick, you know, like their, their thoughts on this might be very different if they're able to, you know, you know, share that what they think about it. I worry about the same thing. I I worry about the same thing. And I'll say, you know, when you go through the hard things, any hard things, I'm always surprised about who shows up and who you get to meet, because there's also just so many lovely people right, that come out of the woodwork and are like, hey, I got you or like I get you or I'll get the randomest messages. And sometimes I feel like a little bit narcissistic because I think social media is like a, you know, it feels weird to talk about yourself. I I hate it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you get it. Right. And it's like, you're not trying to, but whatever. It's just the way the game is played. And someone will be like, no, I really appreciate when you share this about what you're going through because like, actually, I'm going through this too. And you're like, wow. I had no idea. And people are looking for that connection point. Yeah, they are. I had recently
0: attended a CPEG meeting at my son's school district. And CPEG is like special education parents association. Maybe I got that right. And I, I went, and I had so many parents say to me, "Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that you were in the same boat." And so, these are people that we know in in you know in real life; they live in my town. The children go to school together, and it was a contact point for them where they were like, "Wow, thank you for coming." I, I didn't realize,
1: yeah, because there is a lot of hidden parenting going on. There is a lot of hidden caregiving going on. I follow a lot of accounts where people are talking about how hard July 4th is because they had to opt out of the barbecue and they felt like it's a it was a high stress weekend because they wanted their children to participate, but for one reason or another, maybe their children couldn't. And I think there's always in those stories, there's always like a there's a set of people who don't understand because that's considered the norm. And I feel bad that I'm not the norm. And I think actually if we actually looked at what's happening, I think a lot of us have Things that we think are not normal, but probably are normal because so many kids have something, right? Maybe it's like noise sensitivity or maybe they they get tired easily or, you know, things that are related. But we feel like we have to act like everyone's bodies are perfect, whether it's the kids' bodies or our bodies or their mental health or our mental health. We constantly have to act like everything is okay. And the reality is post-pandemic, pandemic, nobody is okay. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> Yes. Why are yes. we pretending? You know, it's
0: true. And, all, you know, also like pre pandemic, it probably was the same way. And we just weren't talking about it. So at least now totally. that we could like get it out on the table and, and all talk about that. And, and you're like inspiring me to like create some content about that kind of thing, saying like, it's okay to leave the party early. It's okay to leave the barbecue. It's okay to not go to the fireworks, you know, like all, all of those, those things. Cause like that happens in my house a lot. And, and at first, we used to feel bad about them. But now, you know what, we don't feel bad
1: about them. I think now we're starting to embrace it, really. I think it goes also to the community thing. A friend of mine who I saw is like a doctor that works abroad. And she was talking about how, you know, she was an emergency doctor here. And no one healed. Everyone pretended like there was no stress from the pandemic. So I asked her, well, what happened when you were abroad? And she's like, well, these are people that are still in community with each other. So there are healing practices, there are ritual practices, there are ways to address and name and witness the pain that we all went through individually and collectively, because she's like, I don't know anyone that came out of this unhurt and not traumatized. But here in North America, we just want to feel like everything's fine. Everything's fine. I'm fine. You're fine. We're all fine. And it's like, well, no, actually, no. I mean, like we can be fine. It's not like the end of the world, but like we could start by acknowledging it and then we'll get there. But if you don't acknowledge it, where are we going?
0: Yeah. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. How did your kids do during the pandemic? My son actually loved virtual school because I think he has a lot of triggers in in in-person school. So obviously it's always like depends on the person's personality, but how did your daughters
1: fare during it? They had a great time. They were young enough. That they were like, oh, we get to be with mom and dad 24-7? Like, this is awesome. But I always find myself wondering how older kids did. Because I've heard some stories that it was harder for some kids. So I think the younger the kids, like the labor was more, but maybe they were protected. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I I agree. I agree
0: 100%. So tell everyone where we could find you. I feel like I could chat with you all day, but maybe we'll do Black it guys. like off camera.
1: <laughs> Likewise, (laughs) likewise. Please check our app out. You can find it on the app store. It's called Sleuth, S-L-E-U-T-H, which fun fact means a family of bears as well as the definition that all of us know. So it's kind of inspired by the idea of being a mama bear and a papa bear because we'll do anything for our kids. That's amazing. That's (laughs) so much fun. Fun Fun fact. (laughs) Fun fact and you can just go on HelloSleuth.com and download the app. It's in about six weeks. We're going to be releasing something really, really exciting, but you can check out what we have now too. Awesome. Fantastic. I love it. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. This was awesome.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode of Modern Mom Probs. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive in today's problem with me, your host, Tara Clark. Join me next time when I'll be interviewing another great guest and tackling another modern mom problem. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and a rating. As always, you could head over to Modern Mom Probs on Instagram and give me a follow or check out my book, Modern Mom Probs, A Survival Guide for 21st Century Mothers, available online wherever books are sold. Well, that's it for today. See you next time, folks.